I like to light my cigars with 20 penny notes paid for by the BBC. Then I like dirty girls to blow the flames out from the notes. I'm old school British Broadcasting Company. I like children and I like to eat them. But there's nothing more I like than the second wrong podcast. You know, I don't want to be all judgmental, you know, but this is sick. It's sick and wrong. <laughs> Listen, living, listening to Synchronon. Sick and wrong. Yes. You listen to the sick or not? The sick and wrong, the world source for antisocial commentary. God, what a bunch of scumbags. Good evening. Welcome to Sick and Wrong, the world source for antisocial commentary. One of your hosts, D. Simon. And I am Harrison. Harrison, I uh, turned a year older yesterday. I don't know if you've noticed. Do I look older? Do I look more mature? You do. Yeah? Yeah. Very um, mature. Yeah, I'm real, I'm real happy. I love mm. birthdays. Mm. I'm so into birthdays. I, I think most people aren't into birthdays. I think it's pretty safe to say. Although a lot of people do like having like the birthday. Like at work, they were telling me they, they decorated my cubicle at work, which kind of pissed me off. It's like an what office thing of, to do. What a bunch of monsters! Wow. I know. Did, did you ever have that happen to you? No. You've never had it. They've never did, like when you were working in a work in an office environment. Did they do anything on your birthday? Did they even notice or call any attention to it? No, because I, I went out of my way to keep that secret. But how do you do that with HR? They know when you're, you're like, my, like, that's the thing. I was under the radar with it. I didn't tell anybody about it as being really like low key. I mean, they knew I was going on vacation this week, but, you know, and, and I think they knew it was for my birthday, but I didn't say anything Nobody about talks when it was to my HR. birthday. Well, you know, you know not at my fucking terrible. company. My fucking company mm. will email mm. my boss and be like, oh, by the way, you have a birthday coming up. Mm. So I didn't say anything about it. Not to mention my boss, her husband also has a, his birthday the same day as mine. Mm. Um, so anyway, I get to work and there's my fucking cube just decorated with like streamers and memes and shit. Although they, what was funny about it is they kind of like, I wear black a lot. Right. You know, I don't really have many clothes of other colors. So everything was black and they got this like big tombstone on it and it's a bunch of goth memes and like black balloons and all this. And it just, it, it was, it was embarrassing. I mean, then that, that's the whole purpose of doing that. But at the same time, it was just kind of like all these executives are walking by like, I don't, I don't get it. Hmm. Like, is that, why would you do that? Like, is that what he's into? He's into like, you know, like skulls and and things like that right and so then i'm like well what do i do i tear it all down immediately but you can't just go in there and just tear it all down you have to kind of leave it because then it's just rude but whatever i mean it's fine your company sounds like the kind of place where it's like they would fire you if if they saw you had a mug that said world's greatest lover on it or something well that's the thing like i'm mm. like I, I think they would fire me if they knew i did this podcast right you know, it's like, and that's why I was surprised. I'm like, great. So you just put up all these like goth mm. and death memes and shit like that all over my desk. And then the big skulls and, and like 
they didn't do like pentagrams, but they had like an upside down cross, which I was like, but this is good. This is getting a little, now I'm like the office goth. Okay. So it's just, yeah, it's just kind of annoying. Mm. But anyway, then I had to deal with everybody telling me like happy birthday and all that. Fucking hate birthdays. But I'm going away. I'm going away this, uh, I, I, you know, this is going to be a fun birthday. It's like, I feel like, when, when do you turn 40? <clears throat> Not this year, motherfucker. Are you still one year away from 40? Yeah. I thought you were older than that. Nope. Then, so you're going to have probably have to do something for that one. My sister made yeah, me do something. I'm thinking like a, like a fancy suicide, something like that. Oh, that might know? work. Yeah, that yeah. might work out. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of cool. Um, but yeah, so my sister this year was like, what do you want to do for your birthday? And I'm like, I was like, do we have to do anything again? It's like 43. Mm. Is, that, is that like a birthday you're supposed to celebrate? Yeah. Why? It's 43. Who gives a shit? Like, I think I shouldn't have to celebrate another birthday till I'm 50 because 50 is like a big one. Well, you're celebrating it. Well, anyway, yeah. I am. We're going to uh, to Graceland. I was like, and I just said as a mm. joke, I was like, yeah, let's go check out Graceland because I've always mm. wanted to go there. Mm. Um, you ever been to Tennessee? I've been to Tennessee. I've never been to Graceland. I've been to Dollywood. You went to Dollywood over Graceland. It wasn't a fucking choice. I happened to be near fucking Dollywood, so I went there. <laughs> you know? Are you a big Dolly Parton fan? It was fan? far from fucking. Um, she's cool. You know. I guess she's all right. It was just, it was there. I was doing a road trip through the South. I was seeing some weird shit. And there it was. Know? I went to the fucking weird Gnome Mountain near Chattanooga. Oh, wow. You know, yeah, I think I, as a kid, I, I drove through that. I went to the theme park in Virginia based around dinosaurs fighting in the Civil War. That was dope, you know? Where's the Creation Museum? Is that in, is that in, uh, is that Kansas? I've always wanted to go to that. Yeah. And some guy, some nutter built like a fucking ark. Mm. Like a real, like, life-size arc. Like the scale. Okay. Insane. But anyway, yeah, Dollywood's one is, like, on the complete eastern side of the state. And Memphis is on, like, the western side. So it's, like, five hours apart. Right. So it's kind of, it's not, that, and that's mm. the thing. I didn't know, I didn't know it was that big. Like, we're flying into Nashville. And the funniest thing about it, so it started out being me, my sister, Jer, and my girlfriend. And then my sister got Wackerly to come. Mm. So Wackerly's actually coming with his wife. You know, it's mainly his wife. Like, they went out drinking, and his wife's like, I want to go to Graceland. And Wackerly's like, oh, I don't know. It costs so much. And she's like, quit being a fucking cheap ass. She's like, what the fuck? Because that dude makes a lot of money. So this is a whole group? Now it's a thing. Wow. Yeah, it's like a group thing. It's like a tour. It's yeah. a group thing. And we're flying to Nashville, hanging out in Nashville. I don't know what we're going to do there. Like, there's stuff to do, like country music, Hall of Fame. Bus or something? No, my sister together. rented a minivan. Okay. So it's going to be like like uh, fucking National Lampoons. Okay. Like family road trip. Yeah. That's going to be... I've, you know, I've never really done a, like a long trip with Wackerly. No, my like, brother's not going. That yeah. would have been funny. Yeah. And my brother's like, funny. fuck that. I'm not going. Mm. So yeah, so anyway, we're flying to Nashville. Then we're driving down to Huntsville, Alabama, which is like the last city... We lived in before we moved to South Africa. So I was like, I don't know, like 1979, mm -hmm. eighty. we lived in Alabama, and then we moved to South Africa. And then we're going to Memphis, and that's when we're going to see Graceland. Hmm. And apparently, uh, apparently, you can go to the Civil Rights Museum, and you can stand in the hotel room where Martin Luther King was shot. So you were, you, you, your family lived in Alabama, and, and what your parents were like, you know what? They're too nice to black people here. Yeah. Let's go to South, let's move to South Africa. My, my dad's like, you know, this used to be racist down mm -hmm. here, but just not mm -hmm. racist enough. Let's let's go live in the apartheid state, you know. And then then yeah, then we left. And then he was like, "Yeah, this is fine. This is good." 
that's like some authentic hipster racism, you know, <laughs> artisanal racism. Right it's there. like the real, that's like legit mm-hmm. racism. Yeah. But yeah, so we're going to go to, to Graceland. I've heard Graceland is actually a lot smaller than you'd think. Okay. And you can't, you can't sit on the toilet that he died on. Maybe, maybe you can. I'm going to try. You can't? No, they won't no. let you upstairs. Mm. But I'm going to try. Okay. See what happens. Good luck. Yeah, maybe there'll be an article like naked, insane man throwing feces runs into Elvis's bathroom. And yeah, gets, gets tased, arrested. Bro. Yeah, gets tased. Don't tase me, bro. Um, so anyway, you know, while I'm gone, I'll be, I'll be gone for a few days. While I'm gone, I want to throw something out there. And you can, you know, you're, you're totally, you can totally say no. You can say yes. You can do whatever you want. I mean, it's your own volition here. But I found out about a uh, elite Hollywood sex club. Mm. And I want to see if you could somehow become a member. The, the, what, how you've described it so far leads me to think I can't. <laughs> Why? Just because it's elite? Elite Hollywood. <laughs> Anything elite Hollywood, it's like I'm out. They, Sorry, you have guys. no idea. Mm. You have no idea. I, th- I think you could try to do it. Okay. You know, you, you could. Th- no one, that's the thing with Hollywood. You have no idea. Like, you look at Danny DeVito, you would think, oh my God, that guy's an elite A list actor. Yeah. Is he A list? Danny yeah. DeVito? Um, no, he's not. Maybe B list. Okay. Zach Galifianakis. You know, you look at that guy, he just looks like a schlub. Right. Or Eric Wareheim, schlub. Right. But really, you know, these guys are A-list actors. Well, they're elite Hollywood. Elite folk. Hollywood yeah. guys. So looking at you, I'd think, okay, this guy, probably a sex offender, kind of a, you know, kind of a schlub. But hey, he might be an elite Hollywood A-list actor. I might be. So we'll see here. Um, so anyway, let me, let me tell you a little bit about this. So I read about it because this club that most I could just don't tell them I'm Jason Siegel, you know, like that, you know that would work. Yeah, Jason Siegel with these like Heinrich Himmler glasses yes. that you're wearing. Yes, <laughs> whatever happened to the yellow like uh, yeah, Jeremy porn sure star glasses? Are. I have those too. I have a bunch of glasses. Okay, but, I'm a, but today I'm a chameleon, it's uh, you know well. What I mean? th- there's actually a reason why you're wearing those. Yeah, we'll get to that in a second. Mm-hmm. So I read about this this elite seventy five thousand dollar a year sex club mm. that claims to have celebrity members is in a scandal right now because they evicted one of their own members and this guy is like it's a flame war it's a flame war online okay it's a, a full-on feud um it's called sanctum but it's spelled s-n-c-t-m that's elite. That's an elite way of spelling that is sanctum yeah it's a los angeles sex club for the rich um, it's making headlines right now because it kicked out a member and announced his ban publicly. This guy just seems like such a dick, the guy that got kicked out. His name's Fung Tran. He's like a Vietnamese dude. Um, known for his character name, Bunny Man. Yes. Bunny Man. He's the founder. I, I don't know if he's one of the founders, but he's like one of the first members okay. of the club. Um, he's been expelled from the club for behavior unbecoming of a Sanctum member. Oh, my. Yeah. Uh, they say that Trans stooped so low as to contact the founder's 12-year-old daughter on Instagram with messages that hurt her very deeply. Mm. So this guy is going on Instagram messaging preteens. Okay. You know, probably wearing his, like, bunny, so, leather bunny hat. So just your average American, basically. Average American. Yeah. Um, Tran, who's in his mid-30s, the son of Vietnamese refugees, um, according to Esquire. He's a manager at a Fortune 500 company and a full-on douche. Um, mainly I'm saying that because his interests include scotch, cigars, fine tobacco pipes, and post-World War II contemporary art. 
<laughs> That's something well, I put on my profile for yeah, Tinder. Yeah. I like scotch, World cigars, fine tobacco art. pipes, and post-World War II contemporary art. Wow, that really narrows it down. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Mm. Uh, he became the first member of Sanctum back in 2012, but his experience soured over time, hmm. um, which led him to post in, uh, in November on Instagram. Uh, he posted, the Sanctum family is dead. Long live Sanctum Club. And then he deplored the plight of the once magical place. He says the pillars, privacy, safety, and exploration that sustain the club have crumbled. Oh, my. And he points to the club's founder, uh, Damon Lawner, as the, uh, the culprit here. He's the one that's caused the downfall of Sanctum in this guy's eyes. I was looking at his manifesto. Who, uh, Fong Trans? Dame, the Damons. Damons, yeah. He says, Spiritualizing sexuality was my lofty goal as I drew the symbol years ago, dreaming of a secretive society that would celebrate our desires rather than repress them. I have literally sacrificed everything so that our society could flourish. God, this guy's such a pervert. He's literally sacrificed everything. <laughs> <laughs> Everything, including the, how how his knowledge of how English works. Apparently, these these type of guys, like I feel like they watch the movie Eyes Wide Shut, and they're like, "Oh my god, this really speaks to me. I need to experience this type of party. Yeah, I need to live this lifestyle." Um, I mean, can't you picture what a club like this would be all about? Sanctum. Yeah, cheese probably cheese balls. <laughs> Probably. Like literally cheese balls? Literally cheese balls, yeah. And like red wine. Mm-hmm. Um, red wine and cheese balls, yes. <laughs> Some and Simply like, Red. Yeah. Simply Red playing in the background. And crazy like antler crowns and shit. No, you know, you know what? They, they wouldn't have Simply Red. It would be more like uh, like Cirque du Soleil music. I think Cirque du Soleil music. Dancing with me. Cheek to cheek. <laughs> That's what they play just over and over and over again. I think this place would do like that kind of Cirque du Soleil electronica. Oh, yeah. And then there'd be lots of girls like, Ugh. you know, like performers and mm. fetish models and stuff like that walking around on all fours. And like they're probably serving food off their backs, mm. like truffles. <laughs> and then you're just sitting in there with your mask and your tuxedo on. And then maybe like a couple paid performers are having sex yeah and that's a sex party that's getting wild you know what i'm i'm more of salt of the earth kind of guy give me the layered assad any day am i right <laughs> am i right fellas crack open a beer with me so uh tron has accused the club's founder damon here damon Lawner, of leaking names of celebrity guests in the media Dear some God. of these rumored attendees include bill maher Mm. And Gwyneth Paltrow. Mm. Goopy Paltrow at a sex club? Wow. I can't believe it. Amazing. I can't believe it. God, controversy. Um, apparently, uh, trans vocally, uh, as vocally opposed the club's participation in reality shows. They, were, they did a show on HBO. They also did a show called Naked Sanctum on Showtime. <sighs> and so he was upset about this. Um, he, he calls the, uh, the club's founder, the club's Achilles heel. So mm. Damon Lawner is the club's Achilles heel. He lacks any sort of pedigree, class and experience. So, um, the club decided that, you know what? We just, we don't want this guy. His actions are deplorable. We're going to kick him out. And then they announced the truth publicly. They say, we feel it necessary to shine light on his disgusting behavior, taking the extraordinary step to expose one of our former members so that our growing community knows to avoid him. Nothing he says may be relied upon, and he is now outside the circle forever. Oh, no. Ostracized, hmm. this guy. And Tran's upset about it. Um, 
he's really upset about it. He even uh, he even started uh, he started his own website called SanctumUsedToBeCool dot com. Really? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> it's, it's it's rather cool. Mm. Uh, but so, but now this might deter you from becoming a member, but I don't think it should deter you from trying. Hmm. Um, they have several tiers of membership. Basic membership is twenty thousand dollars a year. While the Violet Key membership requires a one-time payment of $1 million. So uh, there's definitely a lot of rich people here um, at, at this. Uh, apparently, the Dominus membership, the type that Tran lost, is available only to 20 people worldwide. Hmm. And that costs $75,000 a year. God damn. Th- this guy's paying $75,000 a year to attend some lame rich guy sex party. Seventy-five wow. grand. That's amazing. It's more than most people earn in a year. Wait, who's paying that? This guy, Tran, the guy that got kicked out. He founded it, and he has to pay. No, he's not. He's not a founder. He's oh, one he's of the one first of the original members. members. Yeah. Okay, okay, okay. Dude, this guy, his yeah. parents are super loaded. Mm. He's rich. Mm-hmm. You know, he's a trust funder. He doesn't give a shit. He doesn't care. And so they're letting this guy in, probably because he's willing to pay seventy-five thousand dollars. But meanwhile, he's just a fucking asshole, an entitled little prick with fucking a leather bunny mask on. You know, um, to attend a sanctum party, a guest must have filled out an online questionnaire, submitted photos of their face and body, and completed an interview with Lawner, the club's founder. Okay. So I'm thinking, all right, the money, that might be an issue. That might be a hurdle. We can get to that when we need to. But let's try to get you into one of these parties. You game? Yeah. I mean, we could use Patreon money, you know? Yeah, we, we got Patreon money. You know, we, we, we could even do yeah. a fundraiser or something. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, GoFundMe. Yeah, we, we could do a GoFundMe to get sure. you into this. Yeah. Uh, so there, there's an application, an online application here at sanctum.com. Yeah, That's you com. was looking at it. You sent it to me. So well, let's go through a few of these questions, and uh, maybe you can give me your responses. We can see if this will work. Right. Are you Actually, you know what? Just fill it out, and we'll send it in, see what happens. So yeah, I, I started filling this out here, okay? All right. Let me, there, let me get to the first question. Yeah. You can, so what did you put for occupation? Uh, brand evangelist. Brand evangelist. Mm-hmm. I like that. That's and, probably something that will appeal to them. Uh-huh. Okay, and, uh, what what'd you put for other clubs and affiliations? Uh, the Marxist Russian Social Democratic Labor Party. You know that they have a sexy party. I mean, have you ever oh, been man. to their sex party? Um, only once. Yeah, that's only once. You can't gotta get out of hand. I've oh heard. man, the, yeah. the Trotsky cosplay is out of this world. <laughs> let me tell you, fucking gave me the Trotskys. <laughs> uh, what about where it says? How did you find us? I said MK Ultra and Google Maps. Oh, okay. Yeah, All right, that that works. That's how most people do it. I think you see your fantasy come to life. What does that look like? Oh man, that's that's tough here. So I guess if I have to just off the top of my head, I would say uh, I'm kidnapped by a tall neo-Nazi Amazon woman and kept chained and gagged in a shipping container. Right? You with me so far? <laughs> it's, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's pretty sexy. So, so she's like, she forces me to to just stroke it uh, while she reads passages from Mein Kampf and like while we both watch the fourth season of Frasier. But like the whole oh, thing. Oh, wow. Yeah. That, that is erotic. That's that is good, erotic. Right? Yeah. yeah. So, but I grab her Luger and I turn the fucking tables on her. And at gunpoint, I force her to dress up like a Misty from Pokemon and masturbate with a vibrating Nintendo GameCube controller. And then she has to sit there and watch me play Zelda Wind Waker. For the next like three hours? Yeah. Or days. 
<laughs> Dude, I can already see this. This is going to you're going to get greenlit. You're going to get into one of these parties, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean that's pretty. Who's gonna you know? Uh, I'm almost I, there scared. Are, there, there'll be at least four other people that have the same fantasy, but uh, you know it's fairly common. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm kind of scared to ask the next question, but let's see. What mm. really turns you on? I'm going to say um, Scooby Doo cosplay, uh, reruns of Wings. Hold on one second. Scooby-Doo cosplay. You're saying people cosplaying Scooby-Doo or Velma and Daphne? Or Velma all of them? and Daphne. Um, you know, Fred. Throw him in there. Do you ever... No uh, Shaggy. No, I, you know, don't throw him in there. Do you, you know. ever like... Call uh, them glo- Globetrotters also. Do you ever eroticize the unmasking that occurs at the end? Mama Cass. Of, uh, of a Scooby-Doo episode? Um, I do. Oh, okay. Yeah. Have you ever done that in your like kinky kinky life? I've your done kinky it, role play. I've done it where the the mask is a mask of me, and then underneath the mask of me is me. Wow. Yeah. God, that works. That's meta. Works on many levels. Right. It's like uh, you know the fucking tree in Empire Strikes Back. You know. Here's a weird question. Mm-hmm. If you could amplify an erotic trait in yourself, what would it be? Um, I would say probably my ability to um, recite easy E lyrics as Vincent Price. <laughs> that is a, a lot of women are very turned on by that. Yeah, that, I mean that's my my best, you know. Trait, and it does it work? Is, is that how you usually get the the ladies the trim back to your uh, to your den? I mean the 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 panties the panties drop pretty quick, you know. When I'm like, um, <laughs> your fans understand when you talk about spraying me. The same records that you're making is paying me, motherfuck Dre, motherfuck Snoop, motherfuck Death Row. Yo, and here comes my left blow. Wow, dude, I'm Chris, Price. you are turning on some ladies right now. We have like you probably just turned on. I don't know, like thirty women. Are moist because I'm the E A Z Y E, and this is the season to let the real motherfucking G's in. Yes, uh, dude, you're so getting into this party. Mm. All right, the last, the last one here, the last question they have on the form is, what will you contribute to the Sanctum community? Um, I, I would say um, I'm going to turn the friend zone into an end zone. Ooh, yeah, yeah. All mm. right. All right. And lots of other little rhyming aphorisms if, if you so request them. Upon request. These are like sound bites. This is good because yeah. they're, they're doing all these reality shows. You could be the guy like, you know, in your Heinrich Himmler glasses being like, I will turn the friend zone into an end zone. Yeah. You know, yeah, I can see that working. I'm full of shit. I'm just, I'm not just some fucking moon face simpleton over here. I'm, I, I'm full of all sorts of little fun bits and tidbits and wisdoms and what have you. Well, let's, let's, Let's send this form in. Okay. I mean, after the show. Yeah. Because uh, you, you got to add some pictures. And you have some choice pictures on Facebook. So I think you could probably just attach them, yeah. add them to it, and we'll send it. And then I'm looking forward to hearing the response. Right. <laughs> um, it, it very well may end up in me serving a restraining order to myself. It could be. You know? Hmm. We well, can we'll hope. have to see what happens. We can hope and pray. Um, so people, uh, as I said before... Um, I am going on vacation this week, so we kind of have a special show here. We actually arranged an interview. Harrison arranged an interview. Not even me. Harrison went out and arranged this interview. Why don't, why don't you introduce it? Don't act so fucking surprised, D. Uh, yeah, so um, uh, a new book came out. Well, uh, English translation of a German book called Blitzed. 
drugs in the Third Reich. Um, and uh, the author's name is Norman Oler. He was a novelist who, uh, this is his first like nonfiction history book. And it's basically about Hitler, you know, in the last five year, years of his life was basically getting injections of all sorts of shit every day. It's a drug day. cocktail. Yeah, like ox, basically the equivalent of Oxycontin and cocaine, methamphetamine. Also, across all of the Third Reich, uh, they sold uh, methamphetamine uh, in pill form called pervitin. So, so you're saying Hitler was doing Belushi's? Oh yeah, just shooting them up. Oh yeah, <laughs> had like crazy track marks, you loaded know? to the gills. Yeah, that Hitler. He had a live-in drug dealer. Yeah, he did. Yeah, I mean, he, yeah, he is. And and at the end, people said he had Parkinson's because he shook so much. But yeah. I mean, he was going through like some nasty withdrawal. Yeah. Drugs are hard to get when you're half your country's blown apart. Yeah, yeah. You know? and, then, and then there's a lot of crazy shit in this book, like like the the role that crystal no, that methamphetamine played in the army. Well, not the, only the what, what I know. find interesting about, we'll get mm. to this when we talk to mm. him. Is only it's it's the culture. Everybody they like they that's what they took. They they took methamphetamine was just normal. Yeah, like you just pop a pill and let's just go on with your day. It was in chocolates, you yeah. know, <laughs> fucking granola bars. It's kind of like shit. living in like the rural South here. You know, it's just methamphetamine's a part of life. Uh huh. You know. Uh, but anyway, uh, we we got uh, Norman on the phone, which is quite remarkable, actually, because he's in like India yeah. on a tour, and and uh, and he was uh, willing to come on the show. So fascinating guy. The book is called Blitzed: Drugs in the Third Reich. Uh, People's episode six nineteen here is sick and wrong. Uh, we have the interview coming up next, and after that, we have some phone calls. But first, here's a word about our Patreon page. Do you need more sick and wrong in your life? Do you need one more news story to make you feel normal? Are three phone calls barely enough to feed the raging beast of desire? Well, then it's time for you to get the help you need and become a Sick and Wrong patron. Sign up at patreon.com slash sickandwrong and you'll have access to exclusive Patreon-only content such as news stories, extra phone calls, and much, much more. Become a patron today and help us make a better sick and wrong for tomorrow. That's patreon.com slash sick and wrong. Hello. This is uh, Dean Harrison here calling you from Sick and Wrong. Thanks for being on the show. Uh, Norman's the author of Blitzed, uh, Drugs in the Third Reich, and a uh, very fascinating Norman topic. Norman Oler. Yeah, Norman Oler. Um, a very fascinating topic and uh, one, one, one that we're very interested in chatting with you about. Yeah, it's a book that uh, just recently got translated into English and it's actually a New York Times bestseller. Oh, nice. Mm -hmm. So, Norman, you were a novelist. This is actually your first uh, book that's like a nonfiction history book. Correct. Um, what started you down on this path? Like, what made you th sort of delve into all the research about drug use in the Third Reich and then said, okay, I'm going to write a whole book on this? Well, I thought it would be good to do some research even for a novel, and I uh, found um, the, the notes of uh, Theo Morell, Hitler's personal physician in uh, the Federal Archives in West Germany. And when I read through these notes, um, I realized it's actually very difficult to invent something because the true story is so um, so unusual and so rich in, in detail that um, 
it made more sense to switch genres and um, continue on the path of doing sort of academic research and writing a, um, a nonfiction book. So tell our listeners, and this was kind of the, just the most striking thing about the whole book to me, was the idea of the Folkstroga, um, which was basically methamphetamine in pill form that they sold as a, a drug called Pervitin. Yeah. Um, if, you, if you could just give a little overview to our listeners about how, how that worked. Well, it was very curious because the Nazis were the first anti-drug regime in, in Germany and, and nearly in Europe. I mean, they were very strict. They were very strict rules against, the, against drug use when they took power, like drug users were thrown in concentration camps in 33 and 34. Um, but then after the Olympic Games, there was a company in Berlin called Temla, which developed a new uh, stimulant that was seen as a, a legal uh, way to uh, to in increase your mood and, and, and give you extra strength, and it contained pure methamphetamine. Um, basically, they invented uh, methamphetamine or made it, turned it into a, a, a product, and this became hugely popular uh, in Germany. No one thought um, in the first couple of years it was on the market that uh, this also could be uh, a drug or uh, could be habit-forming. Um, so uh, pervitin use was um, um, quite accepted in the Third Reich. There were even chocolates on the market which contained pure methamphetamine. So did the Nazis view pervitin as a, as a narcotic or as a drug? No, it was like a, you, would, you would take a pill instead of drinking coffee. I mean, uh, there, at the time, there weren't a lot of stimulant, stimulants actually available like today where you can just go to a coffee shop and have a latte macchiato. This didn't exist at the time. But the, me, I mean, at the same time, people needed something to kind of uh, or craved something that would, would give them a little boost in their in their stressful day in the dictatorship or in the modern uh, fascist society. So um, pervitin um, became popular with it without anybody thinking that uh, it's, it's, it's a strange thing to take uh, methamphetamine in the morning or before a business meeting. Well, was it also hugely profitable at the time for the company that made that created it? Well, for the company, it was a great success. Uh, I mean, they uh, expanded uh, and became a big player and actually still a big player today in the pharmaceutical world and, and all of their successes based on uh, methamphetamine. You mentioned in the book that it was actually cheaper than coffee. Yeah, much cheaper. I mean, coffee was not so available, especially when the war started. Uh, it was rationed. It was very hard to actually get a cup of coffee. Um, the army made a, they made a, um, a calculation saying that to keep a soldier awake for the whole night with coffee uh, cost, I think it was like 51 cents. Uh, and if you just give the soldier pervitine, methamphetamine, it only cost like seven cents. So the, the calculation was pretty clear. How did they market it? How did Temler market the drug to the people? Well, Temla wasn't really sure what it's good for. Um, their chief chemist who developed it um, and also took it himself uh, just reported that it feels really good to take it and you have more energy. But they weren't really sure what diseases it, it's good for. Uh, so they, they basically said it's good, it's good for anything. It was uh, considered like a cure-all. Um, it was against you know, fatigue or if you were... Uh, also, sexual fatigue it was marketed as 
stimulating your uh, libido. Um, it was supposed to be good against hay fever. It was supposed to be good against anything, basically. Mm. So an all-around panacea. It's interesting. Yeah. Um, so how does it differ from modern-day meth or methamphetamine? Or is it pretty much the same thing? Well, I mean, the Germans perfected it. It was probably much better than what is being this cooked up <laughs> in some legal labs somewhere in Eastern Europe or in the, the south okay. of the United States or wherever it's made in the U.S. Um, I mean, this was uh, made in a, in a proper lab of a pharmaceutical company. And uh, so it was probably not as uh, dangerous to your health, but certainly it was uh, a, still a dangerous drug that, uh, that, that makes you addicted after a while. More pure than Walter White's meth. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Uh, it's probably the purest meth that ever existed. You mentioned in the book that it was also um, recommended uh, for use in frigid women. Well, yeah, I mean, Temlam recommended it. I think two tablets would increase your sexual appetite. I mean, they but they marketed across the board and they wrote to doctors. They sent free pills to doc, to all the doctors in Germany in the beginning saying, take it, uh, try it out, tell us what it's good for. Because they weren't sure, so it was really used for, for anything and nothing. Hmm. So whose idea was to start using it for soldiers? Like, did Temmler pitch it to the Nazis? And they're like, yeah, this is a great idea. Like, how'd that come about? Well, I mean, we have to understand that the army is not what's not necessarily a Nazi organization, but it was a state organization, it was the, the army of Germany. So the guy who developed it was actually not really a Nazi, he was a professor working for the army who was responsible for performance enhancement of the army and he read reports from German universities saying that with methamphetamine you need to sleep less and uh, it also reduces your fear level. So they made experiments at universities, tests. Um, mostly professors took it themselves and kind of wrote down hmm. how they felt. Um, so he suggested it to, to, the, to, uh, his, to the Surgeon General of the army saying we should uh, you know use this um so this is kind of how it made the way into the army he made tests among young medical officers in berlin before the war started and realized that they can stay awake longer um so uh, he thought it's a good thing the german uh, the wehrmacht the wehrmacht uh the the german yeah. army they actually bought it yeah. at one point what, what around 1940 and encouraged its use or um in, indicated that soldiers should take it? Yeah, I mean, they were the first army in the world to encourage the use of a synthetic drug, which was methamphetamine. They issued the so-called stimulant decree in April 1940, just before Germany invaded um, Western countries in Europe. And um, the first order was 35 million tablets of methamphetamine that were being used in that uh, so-called Blitzkrieg advance um, that uh, surprised the uh, Great Britain and, and France in, in May 1940. This was actually one of the craziest revelations to, for me in the book was that um, Pervitin was largely, it seemed like it was a major part of the invasion of France because I guess the invasion of France involved them driving tanks over mountains for something like 36 hours and then still being alert enough to attack people after that. Yeah, this was um, unheard of at the time and the Winston Churchill made the big mistake of, of 
trying to calm down the nerves of his French colleague uh, who, who, who said like the Germans are like not stopping for two days now and, and Churchill said well but they will have to rest because a human being needs to sleep so even in a big group like in an army there's there's resting periods where you need you need to basically pitch your and sleep for a while and then the next morning you continue but um, the difference here was that the Germans managed to to not stop for uh, a couple of days and nights until they reached uh, Sedan and by reaching that city so quickly they cut off troops which were in the north in Belgium and in Belgium and more, south, south, more to the south so the Germans kind of cut through that it was this was um, the sickle cut um, so methamphetamine played a huge uh, role in this but it was also the strategy to go through the mountains so it's not like an unprepared army just takes drugs and is suddenly very successful I mean the whole organization which included the use of methamphetamine uh, was very successful but without methamphetamine maybe the whole you know I try to examine how exactly the drug kind of fits into that uh, overall uh, strategy and, and makes it actually work one other thing that struck me you, you talk about you know the halt order or the the dunkirk miracle because there's last year there were two movies about this there was dunkirk and then there was the the winston churchill movie darkest hour and nobody really because they had the british army like on the ropes on at dunkirk and they could have like wiped out you know three hundred thousand br- british soldiers and for some reason they stopped and in the book you kind of lay out this idea that goering while you know the the Reichsmarshal Goering, who ran the uh, Luftwaffe, while really high on morphine, gave this idea to Hitler that they could take credit for it um, easier if he wiped out the troops with his planes. Yeah, I mean, the Dunkirk is really mysterious, and uh, these uh, films that were made completely missed out the German side, which is probably the most interesting because the decision seems to be completely irrational not to kind of finish the job and uh, finish off with uh, Great Britain because they could have done so. Um, and in fact, uh, Göring said, I can do it with the Luftwaffe and Hitler was um, didn't really understand how his methamphetamine doped tank generals like Rommel, how they were moving and why they were moving so fast. So he tried to get back in control of the situation and ordered his tanks uh, to stop. Um, so this is a pharmacological uh, explanation or an attempt to explain. But uh, I, th- I I think there's there's different things that that come into play here. Also, Hitler was very reluctant actually to attack uh, to finish off uh, Great Britain and to actually um, be victorious over Great Britain because the West, uh, England, and the United States had supported him and had kind of helped him to come into power and. Um, so it's 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 a very mysterious case, actually. So, uh, Norman, I have a question here. So, we're, your book uh, you you mentioned pervitin quite a bit, but how did that differ from the other uh, methamphetamine-based experimental performance drug, uh, D nine? Like what what was D nine? I guess compared to pervitin, and how often was it used? Well, pervitin was the main drug that's methamphetamine that was used by hundreds of. Um, well, it was used in hundreds of millions of dosages, so millions of soldiers were using it um, more or less often. I mean, this depended on also on what unit you were in and, and what situation you were in, but it, this was the common drug of the Wehrmacht. Um, D9 was an attempt by the German Navy late in the war to develop a drug that's more powerful than methamphetamine because they were um, developing new um, mini-submarines, um, which 
were supposed to be underwater for up to a week, manned by only one person or wow. two two people. And um, they obviously couldn't sleep, at least if it was a one-person mini-submarine, it, was, uh, uh, it would have cost you your life to actually fall asleep. So um, they they tried different combinations, drug combinations. They had 10 different drug combinations and then just call it D1 to D10. And D9, drug 9, was uh, the most potent of those. It contained um, methamphetamine, cocaine, and um, what is now called oxycodone. Oxycodone, you could all, right? The, the drug yeah, that's now pretty much oxycodone. Yeah, you could always a German brand name, so it combined these three uh, highly potent um, drugs. But D9 was so powerful that it actually overpowered um, the soldiers who, who took it. So it was not that successful and kind of shows the the limit of what you can do to a person to push him to a higher performance in war. So D9 was in a way a failure. Those mini subs, it was the craziest thing uh, about it is that it, they were kind of pitching it as something that was going to turn the war around. Um, and, you know, but the thing is, is that it was, the, the, I think they were called sea hoons, the, uh, the, the submarines. Mm. But they were basically just giving teenagers, because they were mostly teenagers, a bunch of meth, putting them in submarines, even though they really didn't even know how to drive submarines, and being like, okay, go attack some ships on a suicide mission with your one torpedo. Yeah, I mean, these missions are, are totally insane. And um, Hitler was always hinting at having so-called miracle weapons up his sleeve. And these mini submarines were supposed to be these miracle weapons or uh, part of these, this miracle weapon arsenal. Um, but basically, it was a completely helpless attempt to turn the war around in 1944, where it was clear that the war could not be turned around, except maybe with a nuclear bomb. But this uh, this weapon was not available to Hitler um, because he thought nuclear bomb is a Jewish thing. So he didn't really go into a development of that uh, technology. Um, so actually, after the, the war was already over on the 8th of May 1945 and some of these mini submarines were still underwater the pilots uh, totally drugged not even aware that the war had already ended still kind of floating through the uh, through the Atlantic totally doped up very interesting so Norman I uh, use the term polytoxicomania to describe Hitler's drug addiction what, what do you mean by that well, to the outside world, in Germany especially, Hitler was portrayed as an abstinent person who uh, didn't drink, was a vegetarian, didn't even consume coffee, no cigarettes, a pure health saint, basically. But um, if you look at the notes of Theo Morell's personal physician, the complete opposite um, uh, uh, appears as 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 the truth um, because Morel gave Hitler uh, daily injections from 1936 to 1945 and changed uh, the, the cocktail of those in injections uh, over time and from 41 on Hitler receives quite a few uh, opioids and steroids um, in in his in his in, in his uh, daily injections combined with uh, vitamins and, and other things. So he consumes over 90 different medications on a regular um, level, on a daily level, actually, without being sick. So um, he uh, turns into a complete 
um, drug freak, basically. What would you say, like in 1944, say after the attempt on his life, uh, uh, the Operation Valkyrie, what would you say those injections consisted of, the ones he took daily that his doctor, Dr. Morell, gave him? Well, after f he, for the first time, Hitler tried Oikodal, Oxycontin, in July 1943, and he really liked it. And after the bomb attack in 44, he takes it um, every other day in a dosage of 20 milligrams intravenously, which is quite a high dosage, actually very high dosage. So this euphoric-making opioid becomes uh, his favorite drug. Um, he also takes quite a bit of cocaine after the bomb attack for about two and a half months. He takes uh, cocaine over 50 times in high dosages. So he's using uh, cocaine and this opioid um, in a way at the same time, kind of taking a, a speed. Like a speed what we today would yeah. speedball. So he was really, he was really um, on drugs uh, in that second half of 1944. There was no sober day anymore. So a lot of people comment on uh, Hitler's unwavering optimism, even though they're suffering many military setbacks. Do you think this is yeah, has to do with his uh, drug addiction? Like, was it clouding? It's completely clouding his reason and his judgment. Well, I mean, his judgment was completely clouded by his uh, ideology, which was far removed from reality and was, in a way, working in the first years of his. Um, of his uh, um, uh, job as the Führer of Germany, but certainly didn't work um, once he started attacking the Soviet Union, um, when his world became more and more a world of make-believe. And um, so it makes all the sense in the world that he would use uh, an opioid that made him euphoric and kind of reinforced his uh, unrealistic uh, worldviews, which resulted in completely unrealistic uh, orders that he would give in the war. So mm -hmm. um, his drug use later on contributed to um, his uh, fatal clinging to his old views, which were not uh, really helping him or the German war effort anymore. Yeah, one thing you actually kind of briefly touch on in the book is that um, the Nazis were doing testing with mescaline um, to get, you know, to as an interrogation method, even kind of a mind control method, and that's actually what inspired the the CIA's MK Ultra program with LSD. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, one of the one of the more interesting findings I think in the book. Um, Did you find that uh, specifically in your when you were going through all the records? Well, I found that in um, concentration camp of Dachau, where the Nazis made these um, mescaline experiments. So, uh, yeah. What drugs were tested on uh, concentration camp prisoners? Well, there were two programs. One was the mescaline program that um, you mentioned, and the other one was the um, D9 program that was done in concentration camp of Sachsenhausen, where they tried to find... Uh, a drug that basically keeps you going. So before they gave it to the young um, Navy pilots in the mini submarines, they tested uh, different drug combinations on concentration camp inmates, made them uh, walk in circles with heavy backpacks uh, for um, like 20 hours or as long as they could and just checked out which drug keeps concentration camp inmate on his feet for the longest. Hmm. Why do you think that no one has written this book until now? Because there are a lot of 
really interesting revelations here that, you know, uh, I feel like no one, you know, like all this information was available, um, but no one's really, why, why do you think you're the first one to actually put all this together? Um, well, I mean, it's hard for me to say because uh, I put it together, so why would a historian miss out? I mean, maybe they're too square or too unexperienced to evaluate how drug use can have an influence. Also, historical sciences are, you know, uh, they're changing and um, it, new angles are coming up and um, it just took up until now for someone, also someone like me coming from outside and having maybe more of an open mind or a fresh view on the on on the subject uh, to to make an investigation here yeah it almost seemed like um you know like people can accept the nazis doing what they did uh based on ideology but it's like if they're also you know toe up from the flow up on fucking crystal meth people might have a hard time dealing with that, it seemed like, you know? Like, the public might have yeah. a hard time swallowing that. Yeah, it's hard for historians to get their head around it. Mm -hmm. um, so the ones who are able to do that really appreci appreciate Blitz, while some others just don't get it, or they just, um, they're just also a little bit ashamed, I think, that they missed out on, on the story, or that they just overlooked it. Mm -hmm. um, especially people who wrote a lot about Hitler should have realized that he spent every day with Morel and that Morel gave him very powerful injections. And to not examine that uh, is, is probably a mistake. You mentioned in the acknowledgments of uh, Blitz that uh, Michael Stipe from REM actually helped you come up with the English title. Yeah, I mean, my English publisher wanted to call the book Totally Blitzed, and I told them you should lose the totally. Um, and they said, no, 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 we had uh, discussions in our with our creative team and it's totally blitz is a perfect title. And I, I was invited to a dinner that, that night at a friend's house, Douglas Gordon, a British artist who lives in Berlin. And he told me that Michael Stipe would be there, which, and the, but then I didn't see Michael Stipe at the dinner. Uh, but I said, so I said to Douglas, Michael's not here, I suppose. But then he pointed to a, a gentleman sitting in the corner and he said, well, over there, there's Michael Stipe. So I approached him and um, he was immediately interested in, uh, my work and uh, he just said should be should be called blitzed and if your publisher changes it to blitz i'm going to write a song about that and when i told when i told penguin this the, the the next day they actually listened to michael stipe and changed it to blitz which i think is a good decision yeah i think it's a great title all right norman now uh, we've taken up enough of your time i want to wish you safe travels because uh, you're in india right now right yeah i'm on a reading tour in india right now where, where are you going next um, I'm actually going to Jaipur, which is supposedly the one of the most important literary festivals. So I'm going there today to have give a talk on Blitz. So let's see how that goes. All right. Well, thanks for being on the show. Uh, people, you can go check out Blitz, Drugs in the Third Reich, available on Amazon and other uh, uh, retailers of uh, fine literary works. Um, Norman, and he's Norman Oler on Twitter. O-H-L-E-R. All right. Thank you, Norman. It was a pleasure. Thank you. Take care. Thanks so much. You can make this Valentine's Day one that you'll both never forget with this amazing offer from AdamandEve.com. 
through Valentine's Day, you'll receive 50% off just about any item. Just go to AdamandEve.com and you'll find over 18,000 adult entertainment products, including toys, lingerie, and a seemingly endless selection of adult DVDs. And there's more. With every order, you'll receive our romance kit free. Our romance kit includes a toy for him, a special massager for her, and a little something we know you'll both enjoy. Plus a free adult DVD to put you in the mood. And that's not all. Oh, no. We'll also throw in free shipping on your entire order. So check out adamandeve.com today for this special Valentine's offer. Get 50% off one item, a free romance kit, and free shipping when you enter offer code DIDDLE. D-I-D-D-L-E. That's DIDDLE at adamandeve.com. So we got a few phone calls to get to. Uh, people can call the Sigrong hotline at 323-522-4032. Uh, the first call we have is actually from a listener that I haven't heard from in a while, Capretta. A uh, good Australian bloke. He, um, I don't know if he still drives trains, but he used to be like a train engineer, conductor or something. Oh. I don't know what he does now, but uh, okay. I haven't heard from him in a long time. So Capretta calls in. Hey, guys. Capretta here. Uh Fuck, it's been a while, man. Um, I'm just here at this music festival, and I, I'm wearing your shirt, the uh, the black one with the snakes. Uh, What's a, what, what kind of music festival do you think he's in in Australia? Is that like Mumford and Sons in the background or something? <laughs> That's like, what it sounds like. <laughs> yeah. I was trying to figure that figure it out. I'm like, who who's in the background there? Yeah, well, I don't know. You know, uh, dark folk, a little dark folk dark, rock. Yeah, yeah dark that's, that's always good. Uh huh. Well, dark folk. Mm. And the triangle and the eye on it. Being a good fan, and I just went up to get some um, Danish pancakes. And the the chick behind the bar, she looked at me and she goes, "Do you have any idea about the symbiology of the shirt that you're wearing?" And I looked at it, and to be honest, uh, I said, "I said no." I said, "I looked like a triangle with the eye. What is it? Some Illuminati shit?" But this chick looked at me with the disgust. Uh, that that's normally reserved for like like people that I asked to sleep with them, you know. Like she was fucking looking at me, like she was spitting fire, man. Wow. And uh, she 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 served me, but she didn't speak to me for the rest of the transaction. And uh, now you got me freaking out, man. Like, can you tell me what this fucking shirt means? Because I've been wearing it around, and I just want to know. Anyway, keep it sick, keep it wrong. Catch up. Wow. Didn't mean to cause so much uh, moral panic going on there, some outrage. Well, Capretta, as far as I know, um, it's based on Aleister Crowley design. He had this uh, this mysterious, I don't want to say it's a cult, it's more of a club. It was called but, the Order of the Wor- of the of the Secret Worm. Yeah, and it was Order this, de Vermis Mysterious. Mysterious, yes. Mm-hmm. And it was an, an order of just basically a, a pederast. It's like a pederast uh, club, and I think it was in Belfast, Ireland, or something. Uh-huh. And so these pederasts would get together. I don't know, maybe once or twice a year. And I don't know if they did it if it was on uh, uh, Valpurgisnacht. It might have been, and they would just rape children. I think it was on Boxing Day. Uh, Boxing Day. Okay, yeah. okay. And mm-hmm. then they would just rape children for like I don't know two days straight. Uh, actually, that's a misunderstanding. They, they wouldn't rape children. They would rape. The corpses of children. Oh, right. after they murdered the children, which is perfectly would, legal. Okay, which yeah. see that's not that's not yeah. a crime in, in not Ireland. Crime. You can no. rape as many dead children as you want. Right. 
And so, uh, yeah, then, and that's the thing. What was nice about the shirt is you could wear that shirt around and you'd see another guy and you'd be like, it was kind of like, you'd give him a wink and be like, hey, we're going to be raping dead kids come, you know, next Boxing Day. Yeah. And it was just, yeah, you know, it, that, that's what I like about those kind of like, you know, esoteric cults and clubs. Yeah. You know, it's like a secret handshake. She could, I mean, she could have been upset about that. They, you know, she could have been upset about the, the original incarnation of it where they, um, I think it was a bunch of wizards summoned a giant grub that destroyed Atlantis. Oh, so okay. sometimes people, Atlantean descendants, get pretty touchy about it. Which they, yeah. I, I didn't even know there were that many Atlantean descendants out there, you know, in existence. But maybe, maybe like her, you know, great, 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 great grandmother or something. Well, what do you think Koreatown used to be before it was Koreatown? Was it Atlantis? Little Atlantis. I yeah. had no idea. Uh -huh. hmm. They're all over the place. Wow. God. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, there's a couple of reasons she could be upset. Um, the, the top reason is she's crazy. Yeah, that's if what somebody, I'm saying. If somebody gets upset about the shirt, <laughs> the design that you're wearing, they're like, do you know what that means? It means they're crazy and get away from them very quickly. Well, what you should say be like, you're wrong. Mm. It means it's the, uh, the logo of the greatest podcast on earth. Yeah. That's what that means. Uh -huh. Okay, lady? Why don't you listen to it and uh, become woke? Yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, keep wearing the shirt around. Maybe you'll get, to, uh, get invited to your own pederass club. It's, mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a fun time. Actually, to be honest, I have no idea what that fucking shirt means. <laughs> you found it randomly, and then we tried to find it again, and we couldn't. You know, you know? Th that was the yeah. thing. I found it. I was super high, kind of drunk. I was mm. online trying to get some. I, I was coming up with a new t-shirt design. We wanted something that was kind of like a cult like yeah. or something and yes. i don't remember what website i was on but i found it and i was like this is cool and then uh i remember i was like ready to go with it and, and i showed you like a bunch of designs mm. and you're like i like this one but what does it mean and then i was thinking yeah i'd never thought of that mm. i never thought to find out what this means this could be like some nazi death cult right you know uh logo so yeah i had no idea and so then uh we tried to look for it i think yeah. we spent like a few i mean you know, a few it minutes looks looking to for me it. just like a smorgasbord of different occult imagery that's kind of what i thought so too. to that woman i mean it, it, it's like a sinister fucking you know illuminati thing god she's crazy so, but maybe it's know. some weird australian thing i don't it know could be. Yeah. It could, i have no idea i've never been able to find the the website that i found the 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 logo from mm. so i mean as far as i know we're stealing someone's art which i kind of feel bad about yeah i think that was the other reason why we we're trying to we want to give credit to the artist let's so anyway not, people let's not admit to crimes on the podcast please that's probably a good idea avoid, do that you okay know? yeah don't don't, don't <laughs> come on the raping of dead children not a crime yeah not yeah, a crime. that's not a crime nope okay plagiarism is very serious though Oh, yeah, that uh, is true. Yeah. Uh, anyway, Capretta, um, yeah, feel free to wear the shirt around. You might meet some ladies that aren't crazy. Mm -hmm. All right, the next call we have here is uh, from a guy who's given some tips, some pro tips. Hey, sick and wrong. It's Daniel. I got a few extra minutes before I got to head out to the mill, so I thought I'd call you guys and teach you how to call sick, call out of work sick, and get a sick day every single time. Can you do this guy's voice? Hi, I think I'm wrong. <laughs> just trying to go to the mill and Girl, you tell us if you guys sick. You know, we call you sick worker. I'm... Whenever I hear this dude, I think mm. of, uh, remember Breaking Bad? Mm -hmm. He, uh, Jesse Pinkman's friend, the one that's, it was just like, they did a lot of meth and kind Badger? of adultery. Badger. Yeah, <laughs> I just yeah, think yeah, of yeah, Badger. Yeah. That's who this guy is. <laughs> hey, got any meth, man? <laughs> Uh, perfect excuse. Works every time I use it. 
Um, never had any trouble. I recommend it for everybody. So here's how it goes. I can't tell if he's if he's <laughs> if he if he's drunk or if he's just like trying to eat an entire cantaloupe. While oh, you he's think he's got something in his mouth yeah, that's making him like... uh, giving him that affectation? Uh-huh. Is that, you know what it is to me? I don't think it's, I can his lip. Yeah. His, his top lip's not moving. It's a hair lip. Oh, oh, oh. maybe it's mm. like a massive mustache and it just weighs, weighs it down. Oh yeah, that'll do it. You call your work. And you say hey, and you state your name, whatever you know, and <laughs> hey, uh. I'm, I'm not going to make it in today, you know, I'm, I'm way too sick. And, you know, they're probably going to hit you up with something like, well, you know, to be honest, you don't sound very sick. And be like, oh, yeah, well, I'm fucking my daddy. Keep it sick, keep it wrong. What? <laughs> what? 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 Where do you think he works? The mill, apparently. I I don't a milliner's store. I think it works at like a Kragen Auto Parts Mm. or something. And maybe there they're like, yeah, you're that's funny. You got me. I I don't know if any other job because he just he just talks like uh, I don't know like Elvis the day before he died or something like like hey man I'm trying to call shit. Oh, fucking your daddy. Oh, all right, man. You're all right, very good, man. Very it's almost cool. like, what's his name from uh, Boomhauer from yeah. uh, King of the Hill? Mm. Oh, good, good. Well, fucking my daddy. Mm. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, you know what? Try it out. That mm-hmm. might work. Yeah. I, I never use, you know. You should try it at your job. You know, at, yeah. at my job, though, it doesn't even matter. Like, uh, mm. I usually, they're cool that's working from home. Mm-hmm. I'm a salaried slave, so they don't really give a shit. So I can just like say like, "Oh, hey, you know, I, you know what I usually use? I use stomach ailments." Okay. Like if you're like, oh, "I got some food poisoning," you know, I've been sick all night. No one wants you. They're not going to ask you like, "Are you vomiting? Are you having diarrhea? Or both?" They don't want to know. They're like, "All right, cool, stay home." Well, they, couldn't don't they just tell you to get fucking audited with the e meter or something if you're sick? <laughs> you know. <laughs> Yeah. Zenu, 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 Zenu. Zenu's doing that Zinu, to you. Yeah. You're straying from the flock. Mm. Get him, Zenu. Um, yeah, I don't Squirrel know. Busters. Use the, uh, the the fucking daddy excuse. That, but that might work wherever yeah. wherever Donald's so- from. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. The uh, last call we have here is uh, I I love uh, Schlitzie's calls. His life I look, is... I look, yeah, yeah. yeah, his life is fascinating. It is. It's Very fascinating. Much is. Anyway, Schultz calls in with a sexcapade. Okay. What's up, you fucks? It's Schultz, if I'm pronouncing that right, formerly known as the guy who tried to kill himself a bunch of times, um, calling yeah. in with a sexual escapade update. So I downloaded the Whisper app, which I thought was for, like, 17-year-olds, but it's not. Um and I started talking to some chicks on there, and I ended up coming across. What's Whisper? I don't, I don't know. know this one. You you haven't used this one? No. Whisper app is that mm. like? I wonder if it's like a Bumble or a Tinder. It must be. Probably is. Yeah. I like how he got it because he thought it was for seventeen year olds, and he started chatting <laughs> with people, and then he's like, "Is it what is he? James Franco? Yeah. <laughs> this uh, adult baby, whatever the fuck they're called, um, but this hot chick." Pretty hot. I mean, hot for a girl that wears a diaper. Uh, I ended up talking to her for like a day, and I oh. invited her over to my Oxford house. Fucking pimp ass move right there, you know. Yeah. And uh, but 
Is that like a halfway home, an Oxford yeah. house? Yeah, that's his like, sober living. Um, sober living. Are you allowed to have uh, women come over to your Oxford house? Usually not. You know, I mean, I guess like you can't. They can't stay over or something. You but know, they can come hang out. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. So, do you think he has a crib, or he made a crib? Oh, for her because she's yeah. an adult baby. <laughs> I mean, that would be the way to go. You yeah. know? What do they call that? It's like ADBP. It's like adult baby diaper play or something is what they call it. Is that it. what that's called? Yeah. ABDP? Something like that. I thought that. it was like infantilism. Well, th- yeah. It's paraphilic infantilism, but like the, the cool kids. Call it you know? ADB. So if you're into yeah. it, so when you're at a adult munch. Adult baby diaper lover. AD, ABDL. So adult when you're at baby- like a munch, when you're out with the other, your fetishes, do you like say like, I'm an ADB. PL or whatever. Adult, was it adult baby diaper lover? Yeah. So you're like, I'm a, a adult baby diaper lover. And they're like, oh, all right, that's cool. You would like Malcolm over there. He does the same thing. Yeah. Hmm. Right. Although I've never heard anyone bring that up. I don't think anybody would feel comfortable. You know, it's kind of like a shunned fetish. People oh, it is? People don't like that one? Yeah. Because it's creepy. Who the fuck like, you know? You know I, I mean, often, obviously some people do, but it's not like something you widely share with folks. Well, I've often know? wondered with the AD adult baby diaper lover mm. community, mm. is it like kind of considered gay to have a, you know, just be a baby with like two of your guy friends? And like, if you're all, cause you're not fucking, you're just sitting there in your diapers, right? Shitting, shitting yourself. It's, cons- is it kind of gay or yeah, is it or homoerotic? Yes, it is. It's homoerotic. So you're supposed to yeah. have, you're supposed to meet a baby and you're supposed to have yeah. a female like caretaker or vice versa. Like you're the caregiver. Well, I'm sure you could do it if you're gay, you know? Well, yeah. But I mean, it's, mm. it's, so it's not gay. You could, so basically you and I couldn't hang out in diapers without people being like, that's kind of gay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. It's, I mean, it's good. Duly noted. Yeah. I, I'm glad I cleared Once that up. Once we start posting the pictures on Facebook, they'll be like, guys. Like, dude, guys, you that, can't go way too far. That's a little gay, you know? No, I think why people don't like it is because it, it, like, it seems like it is something that could possibly lead to pedophilia or it's like a watered down version of pedophilia or like, you know what I mean? It's, it's very Nambla. It's, yeah. It's just kind it's of, like, it's creepy. It's like, is that really all there is to it? Or is there more really horrible, bad shit to this? You know? But, but they, they don't want to play with an actual infant. They just want to emulate an infant so they can be doted upon, right? Is that how it works? I don't know. I don't fucking know. Yeah, but you know. Yeah, it, it's, but it's fucking creepy. You know? Yeah. And, and I think it's almost creepier for a woman to be into it. I mean, I don't want to fucking blackball the whole fetish, but... Yeah, you're fucking weirdos. It, yeah, I, I yeah. will. <laughs> okay, yeah. I mean, it, it implies other things, you but know? Do you find it creepier for a woman to be an adult baby versus a man? Like, for a man, I'm just Because I'm not saying that all diaper people are, are pedophiles, but a lot of pedophiles are into diapers, you know? It's a strange corollary yeah. you're getting at. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I just think it's weird to have a woman doing this because what about the maternal instinct? It's just, it doesn't make sense it's to me. It's very weird. I think it's... I, it's not normal for a guy to have mm. to do it either, but it's just it's within the realm of reason. I'm like, yeah, guys are fucking into gross shit, so it makes sense to me that a dude be into like shitting in his diaper in front of a woman. Well, men tend to be more fetishizing, in yeah, general into into right? fetishes. So, yeah. Anyway, uh, I ended up talking to her for like a day, and I invited her over to my Oxford house. 
fucking pimp ass move right there, you know. And uh, by the way, I'm like 32 days clean now, Harrison. So you gotta catch your ass up. It's calling you um, out. But uh, she came over in a diaper. Uh, we hooked up. Again, she was pretty hot for a chick that wears a diaper. But I had. She have shit in the diaper though. <laughs> That's like my first concern, you know. I- I wonder, could you tell? Like, was it like? Because it, it just looked like worked. she had a load in her pants. Like, oh man! And could you imagine? Like, do you take the diaper off with your teeth? Like, all sexy? Like, why would you do that? I, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I pulled panties down with my teeth. I've never done that. I've done that before. Sounds like a huge hassle. Yeah, you, know? you, know, you got to have like uh, yeah. strong teeth. You don't okay. want to have braces because the yeah. panties will get stuck to the brace. But uh, but like pulling like a girl shows up a diaper right for me. Personally, I'd be like, "Are you incontinent? Because why are you wearing that? Right? Like, it, can you not hold your bowels? Because what happened to cause you to wear a diaper?" And then when she explains to me that she's an adult baby diaper lover, I'd be like, "All right, this is not going to work." Right? No, no. Ended no. up kicking her out because, in a nice way, I was real nice. I was like, "Listen, I'm not feeling that good." Uh, because she wanted me, I started finger banging her um, in in a diaper, and that was just weird because I have a daughter of my own who's in diapers. She's almost you know I mean? two, and uh, it was just way too weird to be yeah. with a chick in a diaper. Fuck, I fuck yeah! Uh, but at least, but it got pretty fucking far, didn't it? You know, it got pretty goddamn far. You got, Let's see. You got to you the know? point. Yeah. He was putting his hand down this inside her diaper yeah that's that's a little weird because i'm a weird you know i'm a weird guy and i try to be i'm into some weird shit and i try to be you know understandings of other people's weird shit but as soon as i even hear diaper i'm not even you know (laughs) i'm i'm canceling my whisper account or whatever you know at what point do you think he was just like all right this has gone on too far Like, like, wait, like, yeah, like, what? What After was the they breaking had, point? Like, two children together. I was like, you know what? <laughs> I'm in a house with three people wearing diapers now. Maybe this has gone too far. You know? Maybe it was Jesus. a dirty diaper, and he reached a little further. <sighs> I crossed that off my bucket list. All right, Slitzy out. D Simon, I give you a lot of shit, but I love you, dude. Harrison, love you, bro. Keep it fit. Keep it wrong. Later. I gotta say, I, lo- I love sober Schlitzy. He's like mm. he's he's much more loving, less antagonistic as usual. He is, yeah, yeah. Um, why is that on your bucket list, Schlitzy? Um, Finger banging a girl wearing diapers. Yeah, it's a weird thing to have. That's a weird thing to have on your your bucket list. Uh huh. Yeah, it know. is. <laughs> My God. <laughs> anyway, I do love hearing from this guy because I gotta say. He's got a fucking interesting life. Mm-hmm. He's doing some weird shit. Guy tries to kill himself like once a week, and then he like vacillates the other extreme of like hooking up with crack whores and stealing cars. Stealing cars. Yeah, yeah. no, it's, it's a fascinating life. The the life that this guy leads. We've got some other sex capades from him too. I think. Yeah, yeah, we have, yeah. A, we have a couple. Other, he's called mm. in a lot, but yeah. Uh, yeah, I do. Uh, I do appreciate his calls, and I look forward to hearing from him. Good to know that you're doing well and nice, clean and sober. It's good. Uh, people can call Sigler on Hotline 323-522-4032. Um, if, you're, if you're wondering, like, I love Sick and Wrong. They, they, they've given me so much throughout the years. What can I do for them? You can go to patreon.com, become a patron. 
Sick and Wrong Patreon. Best way to support the show. Mm-hmm. Let's go to patreon.com slash sick and wrong. And uh, yeah, you sign up for one of the uh, the, the glorious tiers. And uh, yeah, and then you you get to you get to check out all this bonus content. I mean, there's like I don't know a hundred posts of just free shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah we've and been if you're doing. Looking a, to meet other adult baby diaper lovers. It's the best uh, place. Patreon to do it. page, uh-huh. yeah. Patreon page, and we're posting a lot of new stuff every every week. But every mm. every week, we guarantee you're going to have at least thirty minutes of extra content. We post a Patreon only news story, and yeah. we have Patreon phone calls. Oh yeah, all right um, there. I'm actually mm. planning on posting a clip. From I finally finished a chapter from my audiobook. Well, I have a few chapters. I finally finished editing this one chapter. I want to post to it and get people's feedback about how uh, awful my voice sounds. So I'm going to probably do that this week. But anyway, just go to, go to patreon.com slash sickandwrong and, and uh, yeah, become a Sick and Wrong patron. We appreciate it. Mm. Also, we have Sick and Wrong merch available at the Redbubble stores. Go to sickandwrongpodcast.com slash store and click on the picture of the Pope. Uh, finally, here, sick and wrong song of the week. Uh, this was found also by uh, by Harrison. Harrison's going out finding fascinating authors who've written interesting books, and he's finding uh, pretty uh, impressive songs. This is quite a mashup. This one. Oh yeah, it's uh, called H.P. Joelcraft, and it's by a guy named Julian Villard. Uh, basically, this guy found out that uh, Lovecraft's poem Nemesis is remarkably close in rhythm to Billy Joel's song Piano Man. Yes. And he mashed the two together. I mean, he's singing Nemesis over Piano Man. It blew me away. I got to say, I was, I was quite impressed with it. Not many things blow me away in this day and age, in the age we live in, but my God, this was that, quite something. That, yeah, that was impressive. Mm-hmm. So we're going to end the show here with H.P. Uh, Joelcraft. Uh, people will be back next week with episode 620. Till then, take it sleazy. Sound with hysterical cries With the moans of invisible demons That out of the green waters rise I have 
plunged like a deer through the arches of the hoary primordial grove, where the oaks feel the presence that marches and stalks on where no spirit dares roam. I have stumbled by cave-ridden mountains that rise barren and bleak from the plain. I have drunk from the fog-fetid fountains that ooze down to the marsh and the main, and in hot, cursed tarns I have seen things I care not to gaze on again. I have scanned the vast ivy-clad palace. I have trod its untenanted hall. Where the moon writhing up from the valleys shoes the tapestried things on the wall, strange figures discordantly woven, which I cannot endure to recall. I have peered from the casement in wonder at the mouldering meadows around, at the many. Village laid under the curse of a grave-girdled ground. I have haunted the tombs of the ages. I have flown on the. Opinions of fear, where the smoke belching Erebus rages, where the jokuls loom snow-clad and drear, and in realms where the sun of the desert consumes what it never can cheer. I was old when the first pharaohs mounted. Deck thrown by the Nile. I was old in those epics uncounted. When I and I only was vile. Oh, great was the sin of my spirit, and great is the reach of its doom. Not the pity of heaven can cheer it. Nor can respite be found in the tomb. Down in the infinite eons, come beating the wings of unmerciful gloom. Through the goo-guarded gateways of slumber, past the wan moon abscesses of night, I have lived all my lives without number. I have sounded all things with my sight, and I struggle and shriek ere the daybreak, being driven to madness with fright. Hello, sick and wrong. It's Paul McCartney of the Beatles. Now, as you boys know. I'm a big fan of 
amputees. They're really sexy. Look at them big knobby knobs. I just want to say hello. Fuck you and fuck Trucker Paul and fuck Kendra. Unless she cut off a leg, that'd be damn sexy. Ah, uh, goodbye.